0: You've got um, Luke's gospel open, please. Luke chapter two. It's so good to be, um, it's actually so good to be here tonight. I know there's only just a a sprinkling of us tonight and um, so good to see a couple just, you know, still feel welcome um, even though like maybe it's a little bit later than usual. So it's awesome to be here together and Merry Christmas to everyone. Merry Christmas, happy birthday, happy Easter, happy engagement, whatever it is. It's good to see you. Yep. Yeah. All right. I might, um, yeah, just invite the Holy Spirit. Is that all right? Holy Spirit, we just thank you so much that you're in this place. And we recognise that Jesus is the King right now over every mind, over every heart. And we just thank you, Lord, for your blood, Lord Jesus, that you shed for us on the cross. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you have for us tonight. In your name. Amen. I know Dale prayed for me before, but I thought I'd pray for you guys as well. All right. So good, good. So Luke chapter 2, open it up. And um, Bible reading for tonight is verse 1 through to 7. It's a familiar verse. All right. So I've got my new living translation tonight. It's pretty simple. It's pretty much the same as any other version that you've got. We all know the story. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Sorry, yeah, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem to Judea. David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiance, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That's a wonderful story, isn't it? Christmas. I love Christmas. And I really felt that this, this time of year, this Christmas, uh, and I know the, the series I'm doing is The Hope of Christmas. I don't know if this really ties in with hope. I guess it does. If it's got to do with Christmas, it's got to do with hope. But I really believe that um, this Christmas, we should be reminded that our God is very good at sign language. I know that sounds like a random thing to say, but I'll qualify it. He's very good at sign language, right? Anyone here know any signs, any sign language? Kirsten? Toilet. 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 Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank, I, you. Hmm? Thank, you. thank you. Yeah, thank you. You're not blowing someone a kiss? Although well, just, you know, don't go too high. Just going down there. Thank you. Yeah. I remember Sonia looking after um, a young fella when I first met her, and he was non verbal and he had some special needs, but he had sign language and he had his own special one so he could communicate different signs that he wanted to, you know, go to the toilet or see his parents or whatever. And God is actually very good at sign language. Did you know that? Have you noticed that in your life? Like Dale shared before when we we're doing prayer, we got a chance to look back to see the fingerprints of God in our life, the answered prayer, the way that God moved powerfully beyond our power to do something amazing or something great, or or even during times where it was confusing and difficult for us, we could still look back and see God's hand or presence in in that moment and still trust his goodness and faithfulness. And he, all the way through, has been trying to communicate to you and I about who he is and what he can do. And he uses things that aren't necessarily verbal. Mm-hmm. He uses signs. Mm-hmm. He uses signs. For example, um, <clears throat> there's a sign there. What's that sign above the door? Exit. It's an exit. Thanks, Josh. Okay. Yeah. So if we were to have uh, an emergency in this building, right, what should we do? Go through the exit sign. Now I'd love to see you all try and fit. <laughs> Thank you, Ruth. There's two. There's another one over there. Really oh, there's if you can't fit through that exit sign. I was gonna say the door works better than the exit sign. Yeah. Oh, so okay, yeah. I get you now. Oh through the door. Good idea. Let's go through doors. Not the sign. <laughs> but the sign, right? The sign, I'm getting to a point. The sign is is points to a thing. Right? The sign's not the thing, mm. but it points to the thing. All right. It points to the reality, the greater reality. Um, I love how they put pictures on exit signs now. They don't put the word exit because sometimes people can't read. Mm-hmm. And so you, you see a guy that looks like a green, he's in green, so that means go, and he looks like he's running, so that's where I run, <laughs> although we're going to walk quietly out. But anyway, that's a sign that, that is the exit sign. And God reveals some signs to some people in this birth account of Jesus. Now, we haven't read the whole chapter, but I'd like to go through the whole chapter tonight, if that's all right. Pretty much the whole chapter. first 40 verses anyway. Do a bit of a Bible study, but be super quick. God is all about sign language, and he's trying to communicate something to somebody, each person actually, through this whole thing. And you'll notice, if you were ever to read through Luke's account all the way from where Mary is first noticed to where she is, um, to the end of it, I guess this chapter two, is you'll see this phrase that something like this, Mary, Mary treasured all these things in her heart. Mary thought about this stuff and and, and treasured it all in her heart. Because she's trying to understand what God's saying to her. And I'm glad she did that because then Luke not have met up with her later on, you know, after Pentecost and said, hey, Mary, what actually happened with Jesus's birth? You were obviously there. Can you give me some details? So Luke's like pen and paper, let's go. So he's writing all this down. And luckily for us, we get to read about it. You know, it just happened by magic. Luke wrote this down after he, I, I believe, spoke with Mary and other disciples that spoke with Mary. Anyway, the shepherds are the first ones to read signs, Okay. So let's have a look from verse eight. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured reassured them, don't be terrified, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now these shepherds, they received a sign. The angel gave them a sign. And what was the sign? You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth, snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. It's amazing. Because these shepherds, right, they speak a language like not the wise man language, probably not the Mary language, maybe the Joseph language, but they speak, you know, they're tradies. They're out in the sticks. Um, they're, they're pretty, you know, they don't get to vote. Or they do get to vote, but they don't get to go into the temple because they're unclean. Um, but these shepherds, um, they get communicated to by God. And he shows them a sign. Now, I want you just to hold your place there in Luke 2, if you please, if you can, please. And turn with me to Micah chapter 5. Okay. It's great to have Micah with us tonight. Sorry, mate. Micah, Micah chapter 5. So he is um, after Jonah. If you've got your phones, you're probably already there. It's fantastic because we've got a familiar phrase here, a familiar verse here in in Micah chapter five verse two that comes out every Christmas time. Okay, so here it is: "But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah; yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past." That's a pretty cool phrase right there. Is a ruler who has origins from the distant past, ancient days. In other words, this is a ruler who is somewhat divine, who's going to come out of Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem, no offence, is a bit like Falkdale. It's not that spectacular. It's a nice town. You could visit there. There's lovely people there. Lovely people have lived there. But it's not that spectacular. And here, God is promising through Micah the prophet that a ruler who is somewhat divine, in fact, this whole phrase, whose origins are from distant past, you know, we get the word nativity from the word origin, just a side issue there. This ruler is going to come through Bethlehem and he's going to be divine. Okay. Now the shepherds, the shepherds would have known somewhat of this prophecy already. Because they would know something like uh, Micah chapter 4. Turn with me, if you can, to Micah chapter 4. And um, it's just over the page. And I've lost my spot. No, I haven't. Uh, Verse 6. Thank you so much, Josh. Yeah, it is. It's just a different version. Sorry, verse 6. Micah chapter 4, verse 6. All right. In that coming day, says the Lord, I will gather together those who are lame, those who have been exiles, those who have been outcasts, exiles sent to another land, and those whom I have filled with grief. Those who are weak will survive as a remnant. Those who were exiles will become a strong nation. Then I, the Lord, will rule from Jerusalem as their king forever. As for you, Jerusalem, the citadel of God's people, your royal might and power will come back to you again. The kingship will be restored to my precious Jerusalem. Now, we have a little sub, you might have a bottom bit in your Bible for verse 8. The Hebrew reads, as for you, Migdal Ada, the daughter of Jerusalem. Instead of, as for you, Jerusalem, the citadel of God's people. Now, this Bethlehem was known as a place of herding sheep, right? Shepherds were there. There was a lot of land around. and It was a great place for herding sheep, lambs, rearing lambs, particularly because it was only eight to 10 kilometers away from Jerusalem, from the temple in Jerusalem. They would rear the lambs for Passover, the spotless lambs, the lambs that needed to be without blemish. In order, to, in order for a Jewish person to bring a, an offering at Passover, it needed to be a lamb that was out with, without blemish. Perfect, spotless, no scratches, no scars, nothing wrong with it, no lameness at all. And so uh, uh. in Bethlehem, there was this tower called Migdal Ada. It was a two-story tower, and in, and, it was, and it was specially designed for rearing Passover lambs and inside it would be stone mangers rock stone mangers on the ground everywhere and what they would do these shepherds would when the babe when the baby sheep when the lamb came out when it was being born they would wrap it up in cloth so that it wouldn't run off and kick cuz lambs are quite prone to do that once they're up on their feet and they could injure themselves. And so that was the the thing that they would do is that they would wrap them up and stick them in a manger and, and keep them protected in this stone manger. And then the priests would come along and they would select the ones that weren't damaged as much and find the perfect one for the Passover lamb. It's a cool story, isn't it? Because God speaks sign language to these shepherds. And the sign is not that you'd find a baby in a manger, but that you'd find a baby in a manger. Does that make sense? Like they're expecting to find a lamb in a manger, a Passover lamb. (laughs) And yet they come and they find what looks to be a baby. Isn't it wonderful how God speaks sign language? Because not only is He saying this to the shepherds, that what what is He saying to the shepherds? What's He trying to communicate? That that they expected a lamb, but they come and find a baby. They know that this Messiah, that the angel has spoken about, this Saviour who was to come, this good news that brings great joy for all people, is tied together with the idea of a Passover lamb for deliverance for God's people from Egypt. They needed a Passover lamb. And here again, God is delivering his people with a Messiah who happens to be wrapped up snugly in a manger. Now back to Luke chapter 2. Some more signs. We're getting through this pretty quick. When the angels had returned to heaven... The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Every single version of the Bible that I could ever find, including the Greek, doesn't say a manger, it says the manger, which, which leads me to believe that these shepherds knew exactly where to go. Migdal Ada. they knew exactly where to go to find a manger that was supposed to have a lamb wrapped up in it. But they went there and they found the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child, the first evangelists. First evangelists sharing about the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But they didn't know that then. But they shared what they were told. That this is the saviour that's been born. Good news. Great joy. Peace on earth. To all those whom God is pleased with, Jesus is the deliverer, the saviour. So what what did they do when they saw the sign? Let's imagine, let's imagine, okay, there's a fire in the room. First thing. All right, everyone. There's the exit. Is knowing that the sign is there going to help anybody? No. Not really. What's the next step? Get up and move. Get up and move where? Towards. Towards what? Towards the, the towards the sign. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Towards the sign. So they move. They get up and do something about it. They've seen this sign, they understand what it means and they get up and do something about it. They tell everyone. They heard it from the angel, they understood it as a messianic prophecy and they took steps towards sharing that wonderful news with everyone else. They couldn't keep silent. (laughs) They couldn't keep silent. And it says that Mary treasured all this stuff up in her heart and thought about it often. So the shepherds went back to their flocks glorifying God and and everything kind of dwindles down a little bit and then eight days later they take the baby Jesus to be circumcised. And while they're there, it was time for Mary's purification offering. You see, after 33 days after a baby's born, the woman is then able to be ceremonially clean. You see, Mary couldn't go to worship God Funny, because she was always in his presence for 33 days. She couldn't go and worship God for 33 days at the temple because she was unclean because of the blood issue when she was giving birth to Jesus. And so they could go there once Jesus was, sorry, 40 days old, 33 days after his circumcision, she could go there and offer the offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of her child. So it says it here that uh, Jesus' parents took him to Jerusalem, which is about 10 kilometres, to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman uh, first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. Now, here's a little history lesson, okay? Egypt, where, where God's people were stuck in Egypt in bondage in the Old Testament, and Moses ended up delivering them from Egypt, the last plague that was there was the the death of the firstborn. Okay, so every single, it's pretty sad, every single firstborn male of a family, human, or of livestock, would be dedicated to God. In other words, the spirit of death fell upon the whole land, and they all died. Now, unless you had the blood of a lamb on your doorposts on that night, your firstborn would die. If you if you had blood on the, on the doorpost of your house, the firstborn would live. But after the Exodus, sorry, yeah, after the Exodus, when when God delivered the people out of Egypt, He told them, "You've got to celebrate this thing. You've got to celebrate the Passover." Right? I won't go into all the details, but one of the details was, whenever there's a firstborn son, it must be he must be dedicated to God. In other words, given over to God. In other words, bought back from God. So what Mary and Joseph were doing here at the temple was not only paying for, for, um, for Mary's uncleanliness, unclean- but she was they were paying God at the temple for their son. They were redeeming their son. They had to pay five shekels to get their son back which is kind of weird because he's the Redeemer and they were redeeming him. But it's all part of the law and it's all meant to teach something, right? And and, and there he is. There's the Redeemer being redeemed for five shekels. You can read about it in Exodus 13. So they offered the sacrifice required. Now, they were too poor to offer the the whole sacrifice. Now, the whole perfect sacrifice was a lamb, right? A lamp, a whole, a a big lamb, right? And uh, a pigeon, or a couple of pigeons. But they were too poor. So what they ended up giving were two turtle doves and two pigeons. You see, the law said if you couldn't afford a lamb, you could pay with two turtle doves and then the two pigeons. So one was a burnt offering to please God, And another one was sin offering to deal with your sin or any unknown sin, which is really cool because they went there to present their son to bring sacrifice, but they didn't have a lamb, Or did they? Once again, God is is using sign language to try and teach them and us that Mary did have a little lamb and his fleece was white as snow when ours couldn't be. And she laid him at the temple and dedicated him to God. Then there's another sign. If we move on a little bit further, there's a guy called Simeon. So while they're at the temple doing all this bizzo, Simeon hears what's going on. And we read about him in verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. He was eagerly waiting. Okay. Now, the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby, Jesus, to the Lord as the law required, like I just said, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, I've just seen the sign of God. I'm looking at the face of the sign of God. That's my paraphrase. He says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, like not just Israel, everyone. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. He is the sign. You want to know where God is? You run to Jesus. You want to know what God looks like? You go to Jesus. Jesus. Hebrews 1 says that he's the exact representation of God's being. He is the image of God. Jesus even said himself, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You You want to know what God is like? You look at Jesus. And here's Simeon staring this 40-day-old baby in the face going, this is the sign. Because he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he's able to see and understand spiritual things. He saw the sign, because God spoke to him with sign language, and so he says, he says, he sings this song, which is awesome. And then we get to verse 33, where it says, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Wouldn't you be? If you take your son to the mall or something, some random person picks him up and says all this cool stuff about him, be kind of creepy, but. Cool at the same time. Anyway, were, this was this was just all too much for them. Mary and Joseph just witnessing all this stuff. Could you just sense the tension in the air that this might just be the Messiah? This is the Messiah. So then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God. He has been sent as a sign from God. He is God. Sign language. Signings. God is saying, you want to know what I'm like? Check out Jesus. Church, whatever we do, we need to represent Jesus. Like as a church, but as individuals. You know, that's actually part of God's plan that we would conform to the image of his son, that we would be signs to Jesus as Jesus was a sign to God. And he continues to be. In fact, he's the way, the truth, the life. He's the door. He's the greatest sign. And people asked him for a sign. I couldn't, I wondered what was going through his mind when some of the religious people would come up to Jesus and say, give us a sign. He'd be like, Check it out. <laughs> what, what do you need? The sign was staring at them in the face. Jesus is the sign. God is very good at sign language. But, but what can we learn from this? Like, that's cool. Like, it's maybe there's some cool stuff there about the birth of Jesus, but God doesn't just speak to shepherds. God is not trying to get the attention of just Simeon's and not just Anna's. We didn't even get to Anna. The, prophet, the prophetess in the temple. God's just not trying to speak to those people that time then. He's actually trying to get your attention and my attention too. And it's really important that we open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to what he might be trying to say to us, what he might be trying to do around us in our lives. Like we are talking before, there's good stuff and there's bad stuff. And it's not that the bad stuff's bad. The bad stuff's might be God trying to sign language us to tell us something, to remind us something, to show us something about himself, to reassure us about something. But he's always trying to get our attention. Every single sunrise, I think, is God trying to get our attention. So I wonder, as you go around um, this week and up to this Saturday when it's pretty crazy in a lot of people's homes, and everyone's eating too much. <laughs> this time next week, we'll be sharing everyone's you know, leftovers from dinner or something the night before. I don't know. Maybe we should have a fellowship meal next Sunday. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's a really good time for us to just open our eyes and, and see the signs around us, not just for Christmas, but like even for our own lives. And you know especially as we're looking into the next year, you know, what are you trying to say to me, God? What are you trying to get my attention with, God? Who who do you want me to reach out to and be a sign to, God? How can I be like that exit sign and just point to the way instead of trying to get the attention myself? Oh, did I just say that to myself? Maybe <clears> I didn't. Anyway, there's just some thoughts. So I'll leave that with you guys and um, yeah, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for sending your son to be the sacrificial lamb for us. And it, it was a it was a journey to the cross all the way from the manger. And you were trying to show us that. You are trying to get our attention and show the world that. It's not just for Israel. It's not just for a select group of people. But it's for all people everywhere. Good news. Great joy. That will bring peace those on whom God's favour rests and so Lord I pray that you would help us to be signs for the world around us that they might receive your favour by responding to the lordship of Jesus by surrendering to him Um, and Lord help us to, to surrender to him every single day too but Lord yeah help us to be signs help us to point the way to Jesus we don't want to get the attention we want Jesus to get the attention and it's kind of funny because when, he, when you were here on earth, Lord Jesus, you were the one who wanted the Father to get all the attention. And we just thank you so much that that's the same attitude that you want us to have as well. Mm-hmm. So fill us with your Holy Spirit, the Spirit who always uh, honours the Father and the Son. And so help us, Lord God, to move from here with our eyes and our ears open to what you want to say to us through the circumstances and things around us. Through your word, also, Lord, as we read it this week, open our eyes and our ears and help us to represent you well in this place that we might be a good sign pointing to Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.